The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. The world really is getting crazier and crazier, but light shining in the darkness. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Friends, just eight days until National Not Ashamed of Jesus Day, a day when we tell the world we're here, we're not ashamed, we love Jesus, we love you. If you still are not familiar with this, if this is your first time hearing about it, or, oh, oh yeah, what's that day? Go to notashamedofjesus.org, notashamedofjesus.org. Take a minute, go through the website, look at the material there. If you're a pastor leader, there's a special packet with information for you. Let's share this as widely as we can. There are multiplied tens of millions of believers in America as the culture seeks to marginalize us, to silence us, to mock us, to cancel us, to demonize us. This is a day where it's one voice with one voice. We let it be known that we are followers of Jesus, that we will not be muzzled or canceled, that the word of God cannot be bound a day in particular to look for opportunities to reach out or to wear something that identifies you as a believer or to to bring a Bible with you to work or school and let it be known. We are here. We're not ashamed. We love Jesus. We love you. You say, shouldn't we do that every year, every day, every week, every month? Yes, of course. But this website will tell you why April 14th and why that day in particular. So, Go to notashamedofjesus.org. If you're sharing this with friends, also use the hashtag Jesus414. Jesus414. Okay, here's the number to call to weigh in on the topics we discussed today. 866-34-TRUTH. 866-348-7884. If you have comments about my interview, excuse me, my discussion yesterday with Brian Simmons, translator of the Passion Translation, If you have questions about that, I won't be getting into that today. However, however, I strongly encourage you, if you missed the show, to go through the broadcast yesterday and then get involved in the comments section, all right? That is not a place to air opinions and attack people. That's a place to get into facts, into real issues, to discuss them. Uh, Brian Simmons actually watched the show yesterday or listened to it. I encouraged him to go through the comments section. There were ugly, slanderous things about me, about Brian, about others that that we pulled when we saw them just because they were not factual. They were just personal opinions and attacks and things like that. So we pulled them, false accusations. But there's a lot of stuff really challenging the past in translation, challenging Brian, airing strong differences. And I encouraged him to go through it because he has assured me that he and his publisher have taken my criticisms very seriously and, and are, are doing a massive review on the whole translation, paraphrase, etc. Translation, be his word, paraphrase my word. They're doing a, a, a massive review of the whole Bible. They're listening to other scholars and critics, so taking the advice that I and others have given. And he, uh, I said to Brian, why don't you go through the comments section, uh, respond to me, and then I'll share your responses on the air. Uh, instead, he went right into the comments section himself, which he didn't have to do because some of them are somewhat nasty and things. He went right into it and has responded to a number of people. He may be able to do that some more in the days ahead. At the right time, he wants to come on the air with me and do a full interview. 
Nothing off limits. Those are his words. Nothing off limits. But I'm not getting into that today. All right. But by all means, check out the show from yesterday. AskDrBrown.org. You'll find it there or our YouTube channel, ASKDR Brown. We're going to talk about some cultural issues, some crazy stuff going on, but some good news, some pushback, some healthy things taking place in America and in other nations as well. First, though, I, I want to give you an example of lost, of what lost looks like and feels like. Now, the young man putting out these videos may be doing it sincerely trying to get his message across or saying things that are so extreme that it just draws attention to his cause. Either way, he's lost. He needs the Lord. Did he ever know the Lord? I don't know. He would say he was an evangelical believer, went to Moody Bible Institute, and now is convinced that being a gay Christian is the right thing to do, and God made him gay, etc. He's put out wild videos saying that Jesus made racist comments and all, all kinds of, of things. Brandon and I know each other. We've interacted. We have each other's cell phones. Uh, he came on TV, Awakening TV Network that was on last year. We, we filmed a debate together June of last year. My heart breaks for him. It genuinely does. And I believe Brandon knows that. But I, I, wanna, I, I want to illustrate for you what happens when instead of looking at your life, looking at your sexual desires, romantic attractions through the lens of Scripture— but in the word of God, interpret you, you instead read the scripture in light of your sexual desires and romantic attractions and now change the meaning of the word. This is how bizarre it gets. I documented many examples like this in my book, A Queer Thing Happened to America in 2011. And, and it was so painful as I did it. I remember the night I finished the chapter on the perverse readings and reinterpretations of the Bible. Nancy was, was sitting at her computer in, in her little office at our house, and I, I went in to talk to her and just broke, down, just broke down crying. I was so burdened. I was so broken. I was so grieved. May this deepen your burden of brokenness and love for professing, quote, gay Christians. May this break your heart for them. Let's watch. Did you know that Jesus helped his friend come out? In John chapter 11, verse 43, this is what it says. Jesus called out in a loud voice saying, Lazarus, come out. You see, Lazarus was locked up in a cold, dark tomb, wrapped in burial cloths, left for dead. That's exactly what so many Christians and so many churches do to LGBT people. They wrap us up and bind us up and tell us that we need to keep our identity, our true self locked away. But Jesus, upon seeing Lazarus in this state, he says, Lazarus, come out, step into the light, take off the cloth, be who you are, come alive. I believe that this is what Jesus is speaking to every LGBT person. Come out of the tomb of shame. Take off the chains that have bound you up. Step into the glory of who God made you to be, fearfully and wonderfully made, just as you are. You are beloved of God. So taking that same perverse reading of scripture, Twisted reading of scripture, massive blasphemous rereading of scripture, taking that to its logical conclusion, the same word would come to a pedophile, right? Hey, you've always been like this. You've always had these desires for children. Just be out and proud about it. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Jesus is telling you to come out. Or something less perverse, but terribly dangerous. 
well, hey, you've always had these doubts about God, and, and, and you, you've always deep down questioned the Bible. Well, come out and just be who you really are and mock God and mock the Bible. <laughs> Whatever's in you that's contrary to God, using this complete twisting of Scripture and misapplication of the Word and reading one's own fleshly sinful desires into Scripture and then making Jesus a mouthpiece for your personal interest, flesh, desire, perversion, whatever it may be, whoever you are outside of God, that's the real you and just come out and shine. It is, it is so heartbreaking to see this. And genuinely, I love Brandon. I care for him. I care for his lost soul. I, I want to see him truly know the Lord. But you just watch over a period of years. I told him to his face. You watch over a period of years where things go, and they get more and more bizarre. They get more and more perverse. You get into universalism, that every, every different path leads to God. You get into denial of the resurrection of Jesus. You get into denial of authority of Scripture, whatever it is. Or you so rewrite the Bible uh, according to your own desires and, and views that the Bible has no meaning, no authority at all. This is what lostness looks like. And Brandon tweets in response to that, to that posting of his video, and he says, yeah, on Easter, I'm coming out. Yeah, just like Jesus. This is, this is the perversion, the darkness of a lost soul. And trust me, friends, there's worse stuff than that, misapplication of Scripture. I'm not going to get into it now, and it's too grievous to focus on. It's, it's one thing to say, hey, I've always had these desires. I prayed for them to go away. They didn't. I just I assumed this is how God made me. I'm in a healthy relationship with my partner. We love one another. If we could ever adopt kids one day, we want to. And, and same-sex couple, okay, it's wrong. It's misguided. But they're not rewriting the Bible and saying that. They're not claiming divine sanction in saying that. It's another thing when people take God's holy words and say things that are so perverse, so upside down, so twisted, making making God in, into some, well, I don't want to get into it. Again, Queer Thing Happened to America, I have a chapter where I, I detail that. And we may take the, the chapters of that book and put them out as individual mini eBooks. It's something we've thought about doing a lot in, in the past. We may actually do that, make everything more accessible, inexpensive eBooks, just each chapter by itself. But then you can read the stuff on your own and think, how can anyone do this? But it's what human beings do. We make a God in our own image. We rewrite the Bible according to our own preferences and desires. By the way, there is no reputable scientific evidence that anyone is, quote, born gay, that homosexual desires are innate and immutable. But even if they were, even if people were born violent, born angry, born pedophile, born to be adulterous, born to be homosexual. Even if that was human nature, Jesus said, you must be born again. We are a fallen human race. We don't justify our fallenness. We come to God in our brokenness and our pain, and we ask for redemption. We ask for forgiveness. Um, I'm going to get to some calls in a bit, but I first want to switch over to another cultural issue. There are some states that are passing very strong pro-life bills, like Texas, for example, and thus far, these bills are being upheld by the courts. Or if one court shoots it down, another is supporting it. 
There are other states like Virginia, now Maryland, that are passing or have passed radical pro-abortion bills, like New York. In fact, in New York, when the bill passed that you could abort a baby right up until the last minute before delivery, if there was some alleged just cause, the mother's having a mental breakdown and said, I, I, just, I just can't, I just can't. So rather than deliver the child and give the child up for adoption, and there are long lists of people waiting to adopt babies, no, you kill the baby. When that passed, legislators in New York clapped, applauded, celebrated. You talk about something perverse, you talk about something upside down. Well, what's happening in Maryland? Is it true or not that a bill in Maryland would allow for infanticide, would allow for the killing of a child or child to be neglected until it dies after birth? We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome back, friends, to the Line of Fire. 866-34-TRUTH is the number to call. With that, I want to go over to this article, and it is WUSA 9. It says, no... Maryland bill will not allow newborns to be killed. So this is fact-checked now. Is it true that the bill that's being put forth in Maryland that right now awaits the signature of Republican Governor Larry Hogan, who has said that person is opposed to abortion, but we don't know how he's going to respond to this bill yet, which is bad news that we don't know, clearly that he's, he's going to veto it, and whether it could be over, over his veto could be overturned or not is still being discussed. Looks like it could be, though. In any case, the, the article says this, a viral Instagram post claims a Maryland bill intends to legalize, quote, infanticide. This is a misleading depiction of a bill which is also unlikely to become law. Now, the article does hurt its credibility by saying this is not likely to become law anytime soon, whereas it now passed Maryland Senate, I think it was 2815, and is awaiting, as I said, a response from the governor. Now, I think you need 29 votes to overturn in, in Maryland, but they could well have it because some of the lawmakers weren't there when the bill was voted on. In any case, we don't know how Governor Hogan will respond either way. But the fact they said it's unlikely to become law, well, right now it's about to become law. It could well become law. I've been reading reports about it from reliable sources for a couple of weeks now, saying that it would allow for infanticide up to 28 days. And, and here, this article is denying it. And it's uh, it says in September 2021, the state of Texas enacted a law that allows any private citizen to sue any health. So it's, it's going on with, with the, um, the Texas law. Uh, Washington state was the first to come up with other laws. Governor Jay Inslee signed into law a bill that starting in June will prohibit any legal action against someone seeking or assisting in performing an abortion. That's going on. And now uh, the Maryland bill, it says, I'm going to scroll down a bit. Uh, opponents of this bill in Maryland made their voices heard the March 11th Health and Government Operations Committee hearing and on social media stating that the bill in question would, quote, allow babies to be killed up to 28 days after birth with no legal repercussions. Proponents call this a misinterpretation. The claim is based on a single provision surrounding perinatal deaths 
So we dug into what the bill would really do. Question, would Maryland HB 26, quote, allow babies to be killed up to 28 days after birth as claimed by bill opponents? Their answer, misleading. This claim is misleading. The bill is intended to prevent criminal penalties for deaths related to pregnancy, like stillbirth or miscarriage. It also protects parents and doctors from litigation if they decide not to apply interventions in extreme cases, like one in which a newborn is unlikely to survive long term. The bill does not legalize manslaughter or homicide. Oh, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Here's the key thing. What if a baby survives abortion, right? Born Alive Protection Act that... Sadly, Democrats, going back to President Clinton, have have fought against, President Obama fought against. So a baby survives an abortion. Now you are required to give it treatment. You are required to care for it as opposed to just let it die. How? By neglect, by starvation. Where does this bill say that you must protect a baby that is born alive? intended abortion, born alive. You say, well, no, no, it's, it's uh, the provision in question originally said this section may not be construed to authorize any form of investigation or penalty for person experiencing perinatal death related to a failure to act, meaning death up to, say, a week after the baby is born because of something that was done wrong during the delivery, the end of the pregnancy, whatever it would be. A new amendment changes this to, quote, experiencing perinatal death related to an act or omission during the pregnancy. Well, how about an abortion attempt? So they're saying, no, no, this is not the case. And again, doesn't have much credibility when it says next line. It's important to note that this bill is extremely unlikely to pass anytime soon. All right. Well, it's about to pass and, and it's, it's passed the vote of the Senate. So there's an article on National Review, and it's carefully laid out and carefully argued. It is by Wesley Smith, and uh, I've got something here. Don't know what that was. Okay, we're good. We're good. Sounded like I was crackling papers like Rush Limbaugh used to do, but I didn't have any papers in my hand. Um, National Review, carefully, legally argued, Maryland bill effectively decriminalizes neglecting newborns to death. True. It is true. It is true. Remember when former Virginia governor, this is Wesley Smith on National Review. Remember when former Virginia governor Ralph Northam blessed the right of a mother and her doctor to have a conversation and decide to neglect a newborn survivor of abortion to death? Well, now a Maryland bill would effectively decriminalize Northam's immoral proposal without regard to abortion. First, it reiterates that current law the current law that deprives fetuses of all rights. Next, the bill would prevent investigation and legal penalties for abortion at any point in the pregnancy and perinatal deaths caused by failure act, which extend from the 22nd week of gestation through the first, not seven days, as I said, 28 days after birth. And and it's, it's quoting the updated language, as far as I can tell, the updating language of the bill. This means, the article says, that a baby who survived an abortion can be allowed to die without care and no investigation could be pursued nor legal penalty applied. But it also effectively decriminalizes death by neglect for the first 28 days of life without regard to abortion. It doesn't say if it's just abortion related. You say, well, I had to do something during the pregnancy. What if it 
ties in now with neglect after, and it's unrelated to abortion. The bill is that extreme. The bill is that dangerous. The bill is that crazy. And, and it's been passed by legislators in Maryland. This is reality, friends. And, and you're going to see these differences statewide where one stands for life and the other stands for death. I wonder how it's going to play out long term and what God will say about that in terms of active blessing or withholding of blessing. These are important questions. All right, let me grab a call before we get on with our guest. We will go to Alberto in Georgia. Welcome to the line of fire. Yes, good afternoon, Michael Brown. Hey. Yeah, my question is, can I make a quick, quick comment about that video you play? It's about the Lazarus. Um, yeah, sure. Lazarus, when Lazarus rose from the dead by Christ, Lazarus then un- unwrapped himself. People had to unwrap him. So I don't know what I got like twisted like the Oh, yeah, that's, in a sense, the least of the concerns, but you're right. Uh, yeah, many, many other issues there. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, my question is, mm-hmm, uh, do, the, do the mass majority of African Americans not state? do they really believe that systemic racism exists or not in this country or not? I, I can't speak for the vast majority of African Americans. I don't know what polling would indicate. I do believe that many would say there still is systemic racism that many would say that's been their experience, that many would say even though America continues to take strides against racism and that legally much of, of that which was on the books was dealt with the Civil Rights Act in 1964, that there are cultural roots that are so deep that treated blacks as second-class citizens, that there are laws that are still in place kind of under the surface that the court system is still not fair. So I would say that many believe it's still there. I don't know that they would say that your average American is racist. I would absolutely reject the idea that your average American today is is racist. I, I believe that we've been a good example of being a melting pot and assimilating different cultures and have examples of success uh, from Asian Americans and Indian Americans I mean, people from India, uh, uh, Hispanic Americans, African Americans, Jewish Americans, etc., and people doing well and America being the land of opportunity. Yet, when you kind of look at the overall playing field, is the playing field completely level yet? I would say no, not, not equality of outcome, but equality of opportunity or things like that. How much is due to racist past? That can be debated. I'm just weighing in with some of my own thoughts. So obviously I cannot speak for African-Americans in general or any group in general. We can only give generalizations there. But do the majority of African-Americans believe there's systemic racism? I don't know. But I would say many certainly believe there's still systemic racism on certain levels. And that idea is being further fueled by radicals. In other words, there may be some issues that we still have to address that are kind of blind spots to many of us that are built into a larger system. And as we continue to grow as a society, we'll address them. Then there are things where the drum is being beat by radical groups like BLM and things like that, where they're trying to inflame things and make things seem much worse than they are. 
So the, the, the healthy balance is to really have open ears to hear where there are issues to address, to walk in, in love, pursue justice for all, but not listen to the fringe on either side of the debate. What's, Alberto, I assume as a Hispanic American, what's your take? Do you think there is systemic racism still in America? No, I don't think so. I mean, like you say, a lot of the people are being misled by the media, you know, and left, like you say. So I don't, I don't think so because uh, I'm sure a lot of the ones who are who educate themselves, uh, African Americans, who, who inform themselves, you know, I, I don't think that the majority don't. They hey, don't. hey, tell you what, listen, I appreciate the call. I appreciate you weighing in, and we'll continue to have open, honest conversations and learn from each other. We'll be right back with my guest, Arthur Shopper. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire on this Wednesday. We're looking at the world around us, looking at the culture. And as promised all through this year, giving examples of pushback, giving examples where a difference is being made, where believers or even secular organizations even worldly voices are saying no to the direction of the prevailing culture and, and making a difference where cases are being won in court. You say, why is that important to know? Because often we have the mentality that it's like dominoes falling in the wrong, wrong direction. Everything's being undone. Everything's collapsing. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. Whereas the reality is there's a back and forth battle. And, and darkness is prevailing here and light's prevailing here. And moral insanity is prevailing here, but truth is prevailing here. And, and we will be in that battle until Jesus returns. But it's important to know we can each make a difference where we are, where we live, the situation in which we find ourselves. We can make a difference. It can be as simple as parents going to talk to a school administrator. It can be as simple as voicing a concern and speaking the truth to a next-door neighbor. It could be as simple as standing up for righteousness in the workplace. And you never really know. You take a stand in one area. You never really know where the dominoes might fall in the other direction and where there may be a silent majority of people that say, well, you know, I, I feel the same way. That's wrong. I don't, I don't think that belongs in our schools. And then enough of you stand up not in a mean-spirited way to attack others, especially as followers of Jesus, but just say this is not right, and change comes. Uh, Arthur Shopper is the organization director for Mass Resistance. It's an international pro-family, anti-LGBT activist organization that makes the difference. It's not against people. It is against activism that is destructive, especially for children, especially for our societies, and mass resistance is fearless. They'll get out there on the front lines. They'll aggressively hold to their views. And they're actually making a difference. So, Arthur, uh, welcome back to the Line of Fire. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it, Dr. Brown. Thank you so much. Sure thing. Well, encourage our listeners today with some examples 
of, of what mass resistance has been able to do with either getting laws overturned or, or statutes changed or things happening in schools. Give us some examples of, of what's been going on. Well, for, uh, for example, we've been working with a great team in Nebraska. They helped to derail a statewide uh, sex ed curriculum. This was in the middle of last year, and it culminated into this year. That's been excellent. Uh, we have a really good team in Wyoming uh, in the northeastern uh, section of the state. They have been going after the county commission and the local library board. Uh, the library is filled with disgusting, vile, pro-LGBT, pornographic materials, and uh, they have just been relentless, demanding that the books be removed and the library director be fired because uh, she allowed these terrible books to be brought in in the first place. Uh, we're happy to report we've gotten... Uh, liberal commissioners removed. We got the liberal uh, library board members to quit. Uh, we just saw an excellent um, pro-family library board member get um, appointed to that board. So our team is really kicking butt in Wyoming. In Idaho, we have teams in the northern and southern parts of the state. Uh, in the northern part of the state, we were able to pressure a school board to change their school counselor policy. Uh, previously, counselors, uh, we we released a story, we released a, a recording, in fact, of a school counselor admitting that she had induced an 11-year-old girl to become transgender or transsexual. I mean, this is horrific abuse. Uh, we, we exposed this publicly. It, it caused a national firestorm, and the school board, this is in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, they had to change their counselor policy. Uh, in southern Idaho, we've already gotten two very bad books removed from one of the school districts in the Treasure Valley. Uh, we, uh, we helped to stop a Drag Queen Story Hour program in Reading, Massachusetts. Uh, we, have a great, uh, we have a great team in New Jersey. Uh, they were able to get a pride display taken down last year in front of one of the hospitals in the Lakewood area. Uh, we're, and uh, one of our most recent um, victories is in the state of Hawaii, which is an extremely liberal state, more liberal mm -hmm. than California, if, that's, if, that's, uh, if you can believe it. Uh, there were bills that were designed to basically criminalize parents for protests and to introduce disgusting sex ed curricula. We worked with an uh, excellent team there in, ha in Hawaii. Both of those bills were killed in the state Senate. Now, I, your readers need to, listeners need to understand, the Democrats, they don't just have a majority. It's practically a unanimous chokehold. There are mm. 25 state senators. 24 of them are Democrats. There's only one Republican. <laughs> Amazing. And yet, our, um, our, 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 uh, the activists we worked with, they were able to stop both of those bills and even a horrific resolution to try to... Um, to push for uh, studies and a, and a future legislative push to allow even peer-to-peer -peer sexual counseling in public schools. I mean, it is horrific stuff that's happening across the country. But mass resistance, we are indeed making the difference. Uh, there's uh, other things... And, and Arthur, might... hang on. Oh, go ahead. Let, me, yeah. let me just jump in here for, for a moment. And that's, that's, that's quite a list. I mean, that's, that's a massively impressive list. And these things are not <laughs> e easily done. Uh, MassResistance.org. Mass resistance.org. Uh, I've, I've interacted with the leaders there oh, years, years back, Brian, Amy, and, and others involved, and always appreciated the courage. And, and Brian, coming at this as, as a Jewish man, not as a Christian believer, so having his own perspective, not even as an ultra-Orthodox Jew or something like that, but as a, a morally-minded Jewish man, just 
with seeing what was happening in schools. And the problem, to be honest, Arthur, is we can't go into a lot of detail on the air because it's not appropriate on the air for us to talk as adults to other adult listeners. And yet stuff was happening. We can't talk about it, but it was in children's schools, in elementary schools. Is, is that bad? And, and mass resistance would expose what was happening with GSAs, gay-straight alliances, and kids getting introduced to things with, with older gays. And it's just You read it and say, no, this can't be happening. But it was happening, and it is happening. So let's, let's break this down. You mentioned Nebraska. How, how does this happen? How did mass resistance accomplish this? What's your, what's your strategy? We have an excellent we have an excellent team there. Led uh, our chapter leader is Mark Bonkowitz. Uh, he has uh, he has developed an incredible network. Uh, thousands of parents that he works with and other groups as well. Uh, they have excellent relationships with legislators, even the governor. Nebraska is a is a fairly conservative state, but as you know, even in the reddest of states, this LGBT movement is is just bombarding and and pushing in like a juggernaut. Uh, we've worked. Uh, you know that that team they were able to mobilize going going to the school boards month after month. Most people are not paying attention to these school board meetings, uh, but our group, our chapters do. We are and we are dead set on exposing the truth in all of its lurid detail as is necessary. A yep. key difference that mass resistance brings to this fight that a lot of pro family groups simply refuse to do is we speak to natural law and we speak to biological truth and sociological facts. These are destructive behaviors. They undermine society. They hurt the family. We don't skirt by focusing on religion and tradition, not to disparage those essential manifestations in society, but you're not going to make a convincing argument if you focus on tradition alone. Well, this is the way it's been. Or so on in, in, other, alone, in other words, if you're, talking, if you're talking to general public, if you're talking to secular people or people of different religious background, if you can appeal to natural law, if you can yeah. appeal to biological reality, if you can appeal yeah. to sensibility of parents, as opposed to saying the Bible says. So obviously the Bible says that fuels things for me, but ultimately if I'm talking to the world, I may have to communicate in a language that makes sense to the world, and that's what you sought to do. Exactly. And we don't disparage religious sentiment by any means, but right. we also assert we're not, a, we're not a ministry. We've worked with people who have an agnostic view about or a basic civic religion view of God. We've even worked with Muslims in the United Kingdom. Uh, we've had some activists there. Speaking of our international presence, we had a massive victory in the Cayman Islands. Uh, we reported on that a few weeks ago. We were working with uh, pro-family activists even there. Uh, we have been helping people, as I mentioned, in the United Kingdom. We've helped people in Canada. Uh, we've had people reaching out to us in Costa Rica, Nigeria, uh, even in Hong Kong. Uh, we, uh, men and women around the world, recognize the destructive, insidious elements of this LGBT movement. They recognize that dominoes begin to fall as soon as, I call it false marriage, not gay marriage, as soon as false marriage is imposed by judicial fiat or legislative act. And so a lot of people are waking up and they're reaching out to us for help. Uh, we've had people in Illinois. One of the things we're really excited about for mass resistance, we've had elected officials contacting us, library board members as well as city council members. They want our help. Uh, they want to know how they can, what statutes they can craft or what policies they can implement to stifle, prevent, or to turn the tide on these terrible policies being implemented in the libraries and in the schools. It has been an unprecedented um, uh, show of support 
and uh, an unprecedented growth of outreach that mass resistance has had. And we're really happy yeah. about this. Parents so, are so, waking up. Activists are waking up. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, Arthur, when, when you say you reference, quote, pornographic material, you're not saying that as some religious prude that thinks anything that's not in the Bible is pornographic. You're talking about stuff that if you, when parents see it, they're shocked to see that this is in their kid's library. A- am I accurate in saying that? This is, a- this is absolutely correct. We're looking at material that, is a- that appeals to lustful or prurient interest that has no redeeming social value whatsoever, that completely violates any community standard. Uh, I mean, as you pointed out, we've had activists like in Wyoming, when they complained about specific books and wanted to read passages into the county commission record, the commissioners told them to stop because the, the, yep. the material was so offensive. The yep. specific books like Gender Queer, This Book is Gay, Lawn Boy, these books are literally teaching children how to engage in gross, disgusting sexual acts with people of the same sex or the opposite sex. And these books even are teaching adults and children how to engage in these perverse behaviors. It is horrifying. It is sickening. Uh, and we are equipping parents and other outraged citizens how to sound the alarm, raise, you know, raise their voices, uh, bombard these governing boards with every force possible to get them out of the libraries, to get them out of the schools. And we're even working... We had an effort with, uh, with activists in, in, in Idaho. We were trying to pass a bill to repeal. Uh, 43 states in the union currently have obscenity exemptions. This is horrifying. I tell you, Arthur, stay right there. I, I want to I keep you two minutes on the other side of the break. Massresistance.org. I've got one more question for Arthur on the other side of the break. Stay right here. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Friends, we've said for many, many years now that the radical left will always overplay its hand, that many Americans wanting to be fair-minded, not wanting to be discriminatory, wanting to be loving, not wanting to be intolerant, not wanting to repeat our racist, bigoted past, said, look, if two men love each other, two women love each other, it's natural for them. Who am I to judge? Who am I to say it's wrong? Well, those very same people are, are now in shock at where this has gone, as, as what the trajectory has ended up and where we find ourselves. You know, those same people didn't sign up for drag queen reading hours for toddlers. Those same people didn't sign up for a 15-year-old boy competing with their 15-year-old girl for a sports scholarship in school and sharing a locker room and changing room with her. They didn't sign up for that. They, they, they didn't know where things were going, but this is what we've been warning all along. There is a trajectory. And, and this is some of the strength now of a group like Mass Resistance saying, hey, we've been warning for years. Here we find ourselves. Here's what we can do. Massresistance.org to find out more. I'm speaking with Arthur Shopper, Organizational Director for Mass Resistance. Arthur, there's obviously so much you could talk about because so much is going on, but you've seen and helped uh, uh, oversee the growth of mass resistance into different states. 
starting you know, different chapters in different states, different countries now as well. Are you looking for chapters in each of the 50 states? What's the goal? And if so, what does somebody do that says, hey, I, I want to help be a vessel of change and follow some of your model in my state? Our, our broader goal is we want to stop this LGBT agenda at its core, expose its lies, eliminate its funding and promotion, and equip people to fight this agenda. Yes, we are, we are breaking forth into more states. We have a, our Florida chapter is growing by leaps and bounds. Our people in California are active. I mentioned about Idaho. Our Texas chapter is revving up for the next legislative session as well. They can get involved by contacting me directly. My direct cell is 781-474-3005, 781-474-3005. They can also email me at arthur at massresistance.org. Uh, my first name, Arthur, at MassResistance.org. And as you've mentioned, our website is MassResistance.org. We are looking for people to get involved across the 50 states, across the world. Um, one other victory that we're compounding upon is the National School Boards Association, as you know, labeled parents domestic terrorists. We've worked with our chapters to pressure state boards of education, uh, school boards associations to break away. We were successful in helping to get Idaho, Arizona, and West Virginia to leave, and we're going to be reporting on some other successes we've had in that arena as well. So we're helping at all levels, local, state, federal, to fight against this agenda, to undermine it at its core. And how I like to sum it up, we need to make male and female great again, make marriage great again, and make mom and dad great again. Those are like affirmative goals right there. All right, Arthur, once more, it's very gracious of you to give out your personal contact info because I'm sure you have some people that don't like you either. But once again, for those that would like to contact Arthur and find out how they can make a difference where they live, uh, go ahead, give your contact info once more. My phone number is 781-474-3005, 781-474-3005. My email address is arthur at massresistance.org. Arthur at MassResistance.org. Thank you. All right. Hey, awesome. We'll do our best to, to spread this interview further. And may the Lord continue to give you courage as you take very difficult stands. God bless, Arthur. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Brown. Sure thing. Sure thing. All right. Uh, I am not going to get to any other calls, so no reason to call in. I want to devote the remaining minutes I have to a few relevant subjects that will tie right in with this. Now, again... I'm coming from everything based on the gospel first and foremost. I will use natural law, biology, things like that to make a point, to make an argument. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. Affirm it. I will expose what's wrong. A queer thing happened to America, which came out in 2011, does not presuppose religious faith. It doesn't. You could be an atheist. You could be a Muslim. You could be a devout Christian. You could read it. And, and I'm just giving the data, I'm giving the information for anyone that wants to see it. So I'm absolutely all for that. A major goal of mine is to win people to the Lord as well. That is not a primary calling of mass resistance. And again, it's, it's multi-faith or even non-faith working together there. All right. So there's a strategy, there's a purpose, there's a, there is a direction. And that's why I had Arthur on the show to share more about that with you and let you know what they're doing. That's why I've interacted and worked together with mass resistance in different ways over the years, gladly. And I appreciate their courage, their tenacity, especially when you're swimming against what feels like an ocean and when there's often overwhelming resistance to your position and you're going to be demonized, marginalized, canceled, and that's the reality you deal with. 
So it takes courage and tenacity and conviction to move forward. But it's very important to me. It is an essential part of my burden and calling to reach out to individuals as well. So that everyone that's listening, watching, you identify as LGBTQ, you say, hey, this is who I am. You're demeaning me. You're a hater. You're demeaning our relationships. You're demeaning our culture or community. I'm sorry it feels that way. I'm truly sorry it feels that way. I simply want you to understand that I am 100% sure that God did not make you gay or make you bi or make you trans. I'm sure of that. When we're fearfully and wonderfully made by God, Psalm 139, he did not fearfully and wonderfully make us to be gay. In, In fact, if everyone was gay, there would be no human race because he fearfully and wonderfully made us in heterosexual bodies to function in a certain way. And every human being on the planet, think of it, every human being on the planet, without exception, has a biological mother and a biological father. That remains reality. And, and I want to assure you, if you struggle with gender identity, if, if, if you feel tormented that you're trapped in the wrong body, I want to assure you, God has a better way of helping you from the inside out, a better way than putting a 12-year-old kid on puberty blockers, a better way than a 15-year-old girl getting a full mastectomy, a better way than being on hormones for the rest of your life. I want to assure you, God has a better way. He cares about the torment, the pain, and he wants to help you from the inside out. So it is love that motivates me. And if you know something's wrong, you say, I I, I read the Bible, and look, I got to be honest. It, It clearly says homosexual practice is sin. I know it. I got to be honest, it's clear. Uh, but I, I tried to change and I couldn't. Well, how about if we start there and say, Lord, my life belongs to you. My body belongs to you. My desires belong to you. I want to follow you. I want to be your child. I want to follow you. Start there. Start there. And, and the very first call from Jesus, he says, if anyone wants to follow me, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, And follow me. So there is the fundamental death to my life and denying of my life to follow. Start there. Start there. Everyone could live a day without sex. Everyone could live a day without a a new romantic relationship, right? Start there and give your life to the Lord. Rather than saying, okay, I'll follow Jesus if he turns me from gay to straight, say, I'm going to follow Jesus. And if I I have same-sex attraction, I'm going to say no to it and follow him but I need a companion. Okay, God will take care of that. God will help you. God will do what needs to be done in your life so that you can live a whole and blessed life. So what we have followed now since 2004, beginning of 2005, when it crystallized the simple mandate, reach out and resist. Reach out to the people with compassion. Resist the agenda with courage. And the focus of mass resistance is to resist the agenda. Okay, Last report, this from Finland. In my book, The Silencing of the Lambs, which you don't have it yet, readily available wherever you get your books, on our website, askdrbrown.org, your local Christian bookstore, or Amazon, barnesandnoblechristianbook.com. Get a copy. It'll jar you. It'll inspire you. I talk about the case of a Finnish lawmaker, um, and uh, her name is Pavi Resinen, and I, I'm, I'm sure I mispronounced it, parliamentary member, uh, and Bishop Johanna Pojola, whose name I also butchered, I'm sure, Finnish being an interesting language to pronounce and read. 
they were facing hate speech charges and, and Resonen up to six years in jail for tweeting out, as a parliamentary member, differences with homosexual practice, differences with homosexuality. And just for simply saying, okay, the, the Lutheran Church of Finland has been so left-leaning and, and so rewriting the Bible for years now, by and large. I mean, you, you could have a lesbian bishop, you know, leading a, leading a, a region in, in, in a church. I mean, that, that's how liberal things could get in some of these Scandinavian countries, right? So she expressed her difference with the church, expressed some of her other concerns, and, and is on trial for a hate speech with the potential of going to jail for six years. So the court ruled, the court ruled that even though her views might have been considered partly offensive, the same with the pastor, that they were expressing their religious convictions rather than, quote, disparaging homosexuals, because of which they're found not guilty. Now, it is an outrage that they could even be brought to court for this. An absolute outrage. Look, every day of the, every day of the year, people say disparaging things about other groups. Every day of the year, people say disparaging things about Christians, about Muslims, about atheists, about every different group. I mean, it's, it's free speech, right? We're not calling someone's killing or destruction or something. People say, I, yeah, I disagree with Muslims. And then I think Christians are a lot of bigots or whatever. But you say one thing about one group, gays, lesbians, trans, now you're going to jail for it. The, the fact that it was even brought to court is outrageous. The fact that the courts made the right decision is another good sign of a little sanity still prevailing. Hey, next broadcast, Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. We've got some big news from Israel coming your way tomorrow. Another program powered by the Truth Network.